<clears throat> what is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Courtside Sign Off Podcast once again. I'm Josh Evanoff. Welcome by the one and only man of the hour, too sweet to be sour, future jiu-jitsu champion, Angel Ortega. Uh, admittedly, guys, not a whole lot to talk about this week. We got UC Vegas to go over. We had a little bit of news, including Haney and Loma. Uh, however, we also did put out the call, the fan questions. We actually got a lot of them, so we appreciate you guys. As always, they're brought to you by two fantastic sponsors of the show, Rogue Energy and Elixir. That is code SOUNDOFF for 10% off of both. Rogue Energy, they keep me fueled up. They keep me going throughout my day. I've been working a lot lately, but also I've been, I've been working in the gym, Angel. You know, I've, it's summertime. I gotta get the six pack going. You know, I gotta, I gotta start training for my Misfits debut. You know what it is. So, and you know what keeps me going? Rogue Energy. And can keep you going as well for code sound off, 10% off. However, uh, while I am also in the gym getting ready, I also have my own needs. I got a little bit of insomnia. I don't talk about it a whole lot. You know what keeps me going to bed peacefully every night? Elixir with their Delta 8, 9, 10 HHC CBD products. They have incredible stuff. They have a wide selection from gels, joints, gummies, and so on and so forth. I mean, you can get it with code SOUNDOFF for 10% off. Fantastic sponsor of the show. Big fan of Elixir as well as Rogue Energy. Angel, last Saturday night from UC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. Women's strawweights going head-to-head in the main event. Mackenzie Dern. You know, she headed into fight week kind of talking about how she was having issues. She got divorced recently. Uh, she had issues with her training. Jason Perillo, her uh, lead coach, was out of apparently uh, – she wasn't there for most of her training camp due to his association with Luke Rockle. Luke Rockle had a big fight. So, you know, she's been – she was really kind of – she had a lot going on going into this one. It seemed like a bit of a trap fight. At least that's kind of what I thought it might be. Instead, dude, Mackenzie Dern leveled up on Saturday night. Uh, I don't know if we've ever seen Angela Hill beaten with the ease that Mackenzie Dern did it on Saturday. She wins by unanimous decision 49-43, 49-44, and 49-44. Fucking insane scorecards. Uh, In the end, Mackenzie Dern gets the win, calls out Rose, and I'm going to use it next. Is that a fight you want to see? And uh, what do you think about Mackenzie picking up the win? Uh, no, amazing. I mean, that has to be probably the best performance of her career, right? I mean, obviously she's had submissions, she's had finishes, but there was just something about that. It was like, fuck, man, that was, that was it right there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, best she's ever probably looked. Granted, you know, you could talk about the opponent or whatever, but she did what she had to do and she beat her the way, uh, at least on, at least on scorecard wise, it looks fucking amazing. Uh, fuck, man. The call out itself. I mean, look, I, I respect her for it. Is that necessarily what I want next? I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know if I really want, I would, I, I kinda think she should get another one in there. Someone else, someone different. I was, uh, I was actually thinking about a Carla Esparza matchup, actually. Mm. This is, she was that. just, she was just holding the belt. She's ranked number three or something like that. Somewhere along the lines of that. Uh, that's something that interests me. I, I respect her for calling out Rose, especially Rose has been out a while. Uh, I mean, if they do end up going in that direction, sure. I think that'd be that'd be a good choice, but uh, not necessarily the direction I was looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear you, man. Um, I think a Mackenzie Dern versus Carla as far as a fight could be could be fun. I believe Carla is pregnant and will be giving birth to a kid soon. But whoa, congratulations. Congratulations to her, but obviously Mackenzie just fought, and I'm pretty sure Carl's going to give birth soon, so 
Depending on how Mackenzie Dern's timeline matches up, it could work. She only fights once every six to eight months, so um, and this is this is a banger right here. So we'll see. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of interesting fights for Mackenzie Dern. I'm very, you know, this seemed like a fight that she needed. You know, like this is a win that like. You know, like, it's very rare that you see this side of Mackenzie Dern come out, but she was, tr- she was not trying to beat Angela Hill. She was trying to fucking murder Angela Hill in there. You know what I mean? Like, she took the anger of a divorce, a bad training camp, and a loss in a previous fight all out on Angela Hill over a span of 25 minutes. So, incredible win by her. I'm very interested to see what she does next. Um, admittedly, I think a Rose fight would be fun. Like you mentioned, Carla, if Carla, if the timeline matches up, I'd be down for that as well. Um, I think that Mackenzie Dern, she's in a good spot right now. You know, I think at the women's, the women's strawweight division, the UFC, we've talked about it, about how they basically just tried so hard to not give a title shot to anybody but, like, the big names in that division. You know, Rose, Ioana, Wei Li, Andrade. But now, you know, Andrade has suffered a couple losses. Rose, you know, God knows. I saw that she put up a thing about chemtrails the other day. I <laughs> Do you see that, Angel? Rose, Rose on you. She, she hasn't fought in a year because she's too busy trying to hunt the chemtrails. What? You didn't know about this? No. She posted something on it. It doesn't matter, but I just thought it was funny, you know, because oh, okay. she went after Whaley for the whole communist thing. She said Whaley was like a communist or something, and then uh, and then the whole chemtrails thing. I'm like, I'm starting to wonder if Rose is not all the way there, you know? Like, uh, I don't know if she's coming or if she's going, you know, sometimes, but... uh. You know, regardless, she's not fighting right now. Yolanda's retired. Whaley has the belt. So now you have more time for these uh, new contenders to rise up. And Mackenzie Duran, I mean, you, dude, realistically, only another win. Boom, title shot. I mean. That's the of the division. Yeah. And, she, I mean, also, she's entertaining. She's attractive. She has a lot going for her, which makes it easier for her to get a title shot. And then some, you know, poor Yan Jonan, who's been. Dude, Yan Jonan has been fighting through the trenches. Like, digging through World War II trying to get a fucking title shot. You know what I mean? Same thing for Marina Rodriguez, you know what I mean? Um, just those two stick out. It's just like the UFC's like, fuck you, you know, like you're not getting a title shot. but You don't deserve it. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's kind of my thought, my closing thoughts on the main event. Not a whole lot to say here, uh, but it was a fun, it was a fun main event, man. But uh, call main event, dude. I mean, we got to start talking about Anthony Fluffy Hernandez as a fucking problem, man. Ends up defeating Edmund Shabazi by TKO in the third round. Uh, classic Edmund uh, fight. Uh, he came out looking excellent in round one, gassed, and then got it demolished for the rest of the way. Um, kind of at the point where I'm legitimately wondering if Edmund Shabazi just has like a medical issue that I don't know about or he doesn't know about because I don't understand how a dude that's 25 years old in great shape and he's not even fighting at heavyweight. He's fighting 185. I don't understand how he only has five minutes of gas consistently, but, you know, props to Fluffy Hernandez, man. Uh, what did you think about this one? This one threw me for a loop, man. I thought Edmund looked so good initially. I thought he was going to come back, reset at the start of the second round. Fuck, man, that did not happen. I got to give credit, though, to Fluffy Hernandez, dude. He is the he is someone you did not expect, uh, at least from how his UFC career started, you know, uh, coming off the Contender Series, you know, did no contest there against Jordan Wright. Beat Brendan Allen on the regional scene before that in 2018. A win over Jung Young Park, but is Jung Young Park even still fighting the UFC? I think, or actually, he's gained a few wins. My bad. He's actually got, he's on a 3-5 win streak. Sorry for the disrespect. We're all, I, we're all good. Uh, and then, and then a loss to Kevin Holland, which granted, that was during Holland Mania. And then it's 2021, man. 
submits the black belt killer himself, Rodolfo Vieira, making someone out there some crazy money, gets sidelined because I think he had a, I think he was having injury issues, kind of with a few withdrawals. He was actually supposed to fight Dricus at one point. Uh, ever since then, last year, picking up some good wins right there with Josh Brand and Mark, Mark Andres Burial. And a nice one over former, I guess, it was Edmund Rank when he beat, right after he beat Prider to Tavares? Um, I want to say he was, yeah. Fuck it, we'll say it. Beating formerly <laughs> ranked Edmund Shabazian, who beat Brad Tavares, who we know for a fact was ranked. Yeah. I mean, look, at 29 years of age, he's super young. He has a gas tank. He's super tough. We've seen it. What is, I, I'm not sure what the ceiling is yet, because look, we, when you look at Edmund, you can, and how the fight went, you can see, like, okay, Edmund had these issues. Fluffy has his skill set. He has a good gas tank. He can push forward. And he brought it back in the second. All right. Makes sense. Going forward, though, would you like to see a ranked opponent next? I was thinking about this right after the fight on that night. I was like, dude, I want to see it. I don't know who it is. Someone at the bottom of the 15. Uh, does he? I was almost like, does he take over another grappler again? Maybe take on Andre Muniz. You know, maybe a Jack Hermanson fight. I mean, obviously, that those are kind of names. Those are established people in this division. Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure how many people are probably, like, seeking out a Fluffy Hernandez fight who's not a diehard. But you can put him in those. You can put him in a good position in his next fight against a guy who has a following in the division. No, I agree, and I'm actually currently looking up the rankings right now. It's taking me a bit of a minute. I saw that Dan White holding a power slot VIP sweepstakes, so you know how much I got to go to that uh, <laughs> <laughs> on the oh, on the yeah. UFC's front page. That's that's what the first thing I saw. So you know, I have to make fun of the power slot every time I see it. But in terms of the middle, like in terms of what I want next for. Anthony Fulfi Hernandez. I think he has to have a ranked guy next. I'm sorry, man. I mean, 29 years old, the way that he's rapidly improving. Because I remember thinking, you know, I mean, we saw him whenever he lost to Holland in, in Holland Mania. He, he didn't look, he didn't really stand out. Even even after he beat Holdolfo Vieira, I remember thinking, and he had the fight with Josh Fromm, I was like, you know, that's, that's all right, but he's lacking something. These last two wins, I feel like he's really put it together. He's hit his stride. And Angel, you know who I want to see him fight next? I, I think we should just say fuck it, dude. Let's have Andre Muniz versus Anthony Fluffy Hernandez. Let's say fuck it. What do you think? No, I mean, that was, that was one of the options I gave. I think that's a good choice. I mean, I think that's – I mean, I think, you know, that's honestly – honestly, that's not a fight I really thought of until you mentioned it because I remember, I, like, I think that Andre Muniz deserves a higher-ranked guy, but as a fight fan, you know what I mean? In my heart and soul, I feel it, Angel. You know? But but like it's like I told you I mean it's he he needs to fight someone I think and it's it's time he has to get this I think it's his time to get a ranked a ranked opponent yeah I agree I agree um, I mean in terms of I think we should real quickly just talk about Edmund Shabazi and his future um, what do you think dude another step down probably I don't know why his team honestly even took this fight it seemed like a for what they were trying to do, I don't understand why they took this fight to begin with. What do you think about what might next be might uh, be next for Edmund? I, I guess you do, man. It's it's tough. I I feel it's heartbreaking because you see the talent is there for the first round, but it's like what what is preventing you from going another round? You know, uh, you can uh, you, and if you want to be world champion, you. You can't be a one round fighter. I mean, you 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 know unless it, it's possible for you to do it, but you're you not. Francis you're not, and Gone in power. You can be a one round fighter. Yeah, but man. but he's not doing that. You know, he's not taking guys out now at the higher ranks or some of these higher rank fighters in one round. I mean, it's possible that he could, 
but he's not doing it because these guys are better. They're not going to go down that easily. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the whole thing is on his rise to the top, he would, he looked like you know he had the Francis Ngannou power. He was putting dudes out in one round, you know. Um, you know, Brad Tavares, knockout. You know, Charles Bird, knockout. Jet beat Jack Martian with the ease, you know. Um, and even then, you know, he got a second-round knockout back in uh, December, which we kind of thought put him on the right track. This is just a rough matchup. I don't I don't know what he's going to do. Um, you know, I don't think – I think Edmund is – I hate to say it. I think if you go down as a failed prospect, I think he was pushed too much too soon, you know. Because I remember thinking after that first fight where he fought Derek Brunson and he, you know, he had some success in round one and that was a short, that was the first main event of his career. But then he ended up getting brutalized in the second or third round. And then they threw him at Jack Hermanson, who was another top five guy, and he got his ass beat again. And then by the time they matched up with Nasser Dinimovov, I thought they were trying to kill this fucking kid. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so I don't know what he's going to do. Uh, they gave him the one, the one tune up against Dalshalem Gulia. Um, and then he was released afterwards. I don't know what they're going to do with Edmund, dude. I think he's in a bad place. Um, and I don't honestly know what they're going to do because I thought the la- I thought they took the tune up. He switched camps and I was like, all right, let's see. And now you're having the same problems again. It's like, I don't think it was a camp issue, you know? I just don't, but I don't know what the fuck it is. Mm-hmm. I think he's in a better place though, for sure. Oh, well, I mean, if- no offense. I mean, it's funny because they're the same, same name, but no offense to Edmund, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, the trainer Edmund, I don't think it's gonna work out too well for him. Yeah, head movement was not gonna fix that. Head I you know, you ever wonder like I sometimes I just wonder, like, I wonder what Edmund Tarvernian is doing right now, you know? <laughs> Jeez. I don't I don't mean I don't say that to be mean. Like I just legitimately because like he got he pretty much got lucky with Rousey. You know what I mean? Um I say he got like there he's had other guys who were like who have done well, and then they've hit a certain wall, and they've just broken. Um, like, he had a boxer who he trained. I think the guy even fought Triple G at one point, and he got knocked out instantly. I remember when Travis Brown headed to Glendale Fight Club and, like, instantly got worse. Same thing for Jake Ellenberger. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I'm happy for Edmund uh, Shabazzian that he got away from Edmund Tarvernian. But, um, yeah, he still has he still has a lot of improving to do. I mean, rest of the card, man, I thought UC Vegas 73 it was an Apex card, but I thought for an Apex card, it was actually a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, which, yeah, which fights do you most want to talk about, man? Man, we got to skip down a little bit, man. Joaquin Buckley, another highlight finish over Andre Fialo, who at one point didn't look that far from the rankings, had a very hot start to 2022, uh, got slowed down at the end by Jake Matthews after taking, uh, I mean, had, taking some very uh, fight literally month after month after month. Uh, with only uh, like matter of days in between them and weeks, uh, so a bit rough for him. Lost his last three, but when you look at them though, Jake Matthews looked fucking great in that fight. We thought he was gonna maybe take a next step forward going after that. And I think he followed that one up after a loss to Matthew Spellsberger, but I mean, I did not expect Matthew Spellsberger to look that good in that fight. Solikov, mm-hmm. who had a fucking crazy finish against him in the third round, I remember that fight. That fucking threw me for a loop. And uh, now a Buckley loss. But look, I don't know. I, I imagine Andre Fowler can bounce back. He comes. Uh, he trained at one point at, uh, what is it, uh, was it ATT? American Top Team. Uh, he is now listed under Kill Cliff. I don't know if that's actually updated or not. But I know at one point he was uh, out there and he actually uh, was working a lot with those wrestler guys. So there's a lot to his game uh, that, that I think we still need to see. He hasn't been able to show off yet. He's 29. He has a hell of a long time. 
And he's shown he has a very high skill ceiling and potential, and he's willing to fight very often. For Buckley, though, at 170, man, fuck, what a, what a start. And uh, do you think we'll ever get a potential Kevin Holland, Joaquin Buckley rematch at 170? Um, shit, that's a banger, dude. <laughs> I mean, that's actually, I mean, I, that's the fight he called for. Um, did he actually? He, I believe so. I believe he did mention it after he won. I don't know if he called for it, like, immediately next, but he did mention the possibility. Um, and honestly, I want to see that next. Kevin Holland versus Joaquin Buckley, too, because, I mean, that fight happened back in, uh, I want to say 2019 or 20, actually, I think it was a pandemic fight, so I think it was 2020, but regardless... Um, it's been almost three years, maybe over three years since that fight, and they both improved, but also they're both kind of in a weird place right now. Like, Kevin Holland, he has the fight coming up with Kiesa in late July. Depending on how that one goes, I would be totally down for a rematch with Joaquin Buckley. See, but I, th- I, th- I think uh, Holland would be back in the rank after that. Would he really want to take a fight against... Uh... But also, would he... But that also depends on if he wins. True, So. True. I think actually I think like you know I think if he loses it makes more sense, but I yes. don't know. I think Joaquin Buckley's had a couple of. I think he's Joaquin Buckley is in a really cool place right now. Like he's twenty nine. He's I don't. He's improving. I think, but I don't know. You know, like he'll win. He'll win one, lose one. You know, like he's a, he's an action. He's the action fighter right now. So mm-hmm. I think realistically, you give him a ranked guy, you could not give him a ranked guy. I honestly don't think it really matters. You know, everybody's going to be fighting, you know, everybody's going to be watching him fight, I mean, so yeah. I don't know. I mean, when you, when you know he has the potential to give you a highlight finish, and he has highlights already, man. Oh, like, yeah. He's going to go down as one of the most exciting fighters in, in this time period, in this era, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree, I agree. And he's, he's like, dude, like, the knockouts he's up putting up, like, walking Buckley, like, you don't think about it in the moment, but he's turning into being like a, like a fucking, um, you know... A Spencer Fisher for just to give like an old a old example like a Joe Lozon type a Jim Miller type like a guy that like <laughs> although to be fair Jim Miller was like a top Joe Lozon and Jim Miller were both top, top ten guys at the time I don't think I don't think Joaquin will ever get there but I think like those were action fighters for previous dude. generations dude he's and a kung fu master dude yeah and I think Joaquin Buckley's gonna be that guy now I think he's legitimately going to become like you know the action fighter for this generation of UFC fans but. Mm-hmm. I was even amazed to be seeing it, and I feel bad for Andre Fialo because this was this was a fight where it's like, all right, we all know what's going to happen here, you know, like it's just one of these guys is going to die pretty much, and ended up, you know, ended up being Andre Fialo, so that sucked. But speaking of just rough knockouts, dude, Michael Johnson, Carlos Diego Fajaya, fuck man, that one sucked. That one did you sucked see, to watch MJ go out like that. Did you see the video where they show the same essentially punch and everything, same set, everything? Was yep. the same as the previous. I was like, dang. By the way, shout out to whoever did the research on the team because yeah, right. That was very well. It's done. a Josh Emmett knockout, right? Yeah, yeah. Kind of though, fit uh, forty five, and this is one fifty five. But yeah. Still. And also that that Josh Emmett fight made me so sad. I mean, he had, he had done. I don't know. People have seen the knockout. I don't know. Too many people have seen the fight. Like he straight up dominated. Like that fight wasn't even close. And then all of a sudden, just. One right hand with a minute to go, you know, like, fuck, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, man, I, I generally think if I, so it's Michael Johnson, but, um, he, 
Michael Johnson will be back. I think Michael Johnson is a guy that he it doesn't matter whether he wins or loses. Like you look at his resume. Let's just run it. Carlos Diego Fajaya, you know, Mark Jacasey, Jamie Malarkey, Alan Patrick, Clay Guida, Tiago, Tiago Moises, Stevie Ray, Josh Emmett, Andre Feely, Darren Elkins, Justin Gaethje, Habib, Dustin Poirier, Nate Diaz, Benil Darius, Edson Barboza, Melvin Gillard, Gleason Tebow, Joe Lozon, Miles Jury, Danny Castillo, Tony Ferguson. Like James Cross, James the Gambler Cross, you know, Mike MJ has an all time resume of just being always game, you know? Mm-hmm. But for sure. Anyways, man, I think uh you know, rest of the card, any fights you want to go and highlight, man? I mean to kinda of go a little bit, kinda of power through him a little bit. Borshev, safe winners over to Mashat was it Mahate, Mashate? I've heard it pronounced a few different ways. Uh I, I don't think it matters. <laughs> well, regardless, sick finish yeah. there, called that one right there. Carolina with a great performance of Vanessa Demopoulos. Dude, she's riding a little win streak, man. After having a rough stint there for a little bit, at 37 years old, approaching 38, three wins in a row. Felice Harry, Swaggle, Miss Juarez, Vanessa Demopoulos. Could we see one last run for Carolina? You know, I actually, um, I think Carolina is like, she's coming on at the right time. Like, I do think we're going to see one final run from Carolina, dude. Like, I remember back whenever she had that 5 5 losing streak. And, like, she, like, she's talking about it. Like, she was, like, legitimately depressed during that. Like, she was, it was a terrible time for her. And she couldn't get out of her. Like, it almost felt like she couldn't get out of her own way. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And now she has her confidence back. Like, she's one three. She's only 37. And in, in, in a women's MMA, that's not that old, honestly. Um, so, I think that she doesn't have potential for one, one more run. And I was very surprised at the ease that she won this fight. Like, Felice Herring. You know, the the loser that was going to get cut, so I was not surprised that she won that one. I thought it was 50-50. Savannah Gomez-Juarez, I thought if Carolina could stay out, avoid the big right hand, she had a very good chance. This one, I thought Vanessa Diamopoulos had a very good shot to win. And I, th- I actually, if you would have gone to my head, told me, hey, Josh, make a pick, I would have picked Vanessa Diamopoulos. Instead, I thought Carolina just dominated this one. I mean, I remember on commentary being surprised. I'm like, they're calling this fight close. I don't think it's close at all, you know? Mm-hmm. But... It is crazy though, looking back at that time though, because we were talking. This is this is near the end of twenty twenty one. We were talking about her potentially being cut after that fight. We're like, dang, is Carolina cut after that? Yeah, and they didn't. They did not decide to cut her. And I think that was that was the right decision, dude. That, yeah, in the end, yeah. Could you imagine like how? how I mean, who knows if she would have retired or where she would be fighting at, or if she even would would have continued fighting. But it, it was nice to see her bounce back, and I don't know. Hopefully, we see her fight again. She fought twice last year, uh, so hopefully, you get another one. Uh, to kind of keep it going under the car, man. Gilbert Ravina, I did not. Mm-hmm. I look. I don't know. I didn't. I don't know how he was gonna do, but it was nice to see him get one back, man. Uh, I agree. Yeah. After having a, a rough ending to his uh, Ultimate Fighter run, man, losing to Trey Gore, then they gave him the chance against uh Brian Battle, and for it to go the way it did, it was just like, damn, that that just sucks, man. Because it's like you you were coming off the loss in the tough house, and then you instantly lose again to get you get a second chance at this thing. You get the you get the greatest opportunity. And it doesn't go your way. You get choked out. And, uh, man, did you, actually, I didn't even realize that he, his last fight was against Battle in 2021. He hadn't fought mm. since then until 2023. Over a year in the making for his UFC return, man. I, I know he had all his brothers there backing them up. So it was really nice to see, man, that brotherhood and love and kind of they were genuinely invested in his success going forward in the UFC. Yeah, that's pretty sick, dude. I mean, I didn't even know that uh, his actually whole his whole family was there. I just uh, like saw the highlight. I think, well, think that's two the two other. I believe it's two other Urbina brothers were there as well. Mm. 
All right, all right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that was a sick finish, dude. I mean, mm-hmm. I was very impressed with that win. Now, someone who deserved, I think, in my opinion, performance of the night, or at least some sort of bonus, yeah. who didn't get it. No other than the dream itself, formerly Let's the TH Chase Hooper Let's at one fifty five man, looking like Max fucking Holloway out there had possessed him. <laughs> All he had to do was look away and throw some punches, he would have had to be convinced, dude. What dude, Chase Hooper was looking like a modern day Roy Jones out there, man. <laughs> Man, one fifty. He looks physically so much better at one fifty five. And granted, he had a very good performance against a guy who is one fight into his UFC career and lost the one before. But regardless, man, he did. What he had to do against that level of competition, which is what we like to see. I feel like sometimes people are like, "Oh, he beat that guy, and dude, he's six and one. He had only fought one other time before." But it's like he beat him the way he should, though. You know, if he's if he's a high level and he has this high level, this potential, and this ceiling, this is how she he should be beating this competition. Uh, did did you hear that thing that he was like like having like a hard time cutting to forty five? I didn't. I had no idea about that. Mm-hmm. It, I did not, yeah, he was cutting from one eighty five, I believe. He, he was saying he was eating like onions and protein shakes, like some crazy shit like that, to make forty five. I mean, look, dude, I'm very happy that uh, he fucking decided to go ahead and. Just say fuck it and move to lightweight because he looks so much better. And to be quite honest with you, if I knew that he was cutting that much weight the whole time, I would have like suggested a move a while ago. Because I actually remember thinking like he looks like he looked like a rail thin guy at one forty five. Yeah, I thought so I feel like he was small. I don't even think him being one forty five is a problem. I think it was just the way he was at one forty five, honestly. Yeah, I know, but one fifty. I feel like one fifty five though, long term is a move. And even then, I think he could. I could see him in his career. Fuck, he could. He could. He has the body. He has a frame to go up to eighty five at some point if he wanted to. I don't think he'll do that, but maybe once he gets older, he could probably see a 170 move. He's 23 years old. Weight cutting is still pretty relatively easy, I imagine, if he's managing well and doing it properly. So he'll probably have a long career at 155. Maybe once he's in his mid to late 30s, he could potentially see a 170 move. If he decides to, who knows? Maybe 155 will be the move for from here on out. But fuck, man, I, I hope that he's able to build something up here. But he's in, he's in a tough-ass division, man. 155 is no joke, so he's going to have a... a a hell of a time climbing those rankings for sure, but he's all the time in the world. And uh, something that we never talk about, Josh, I feel like I feel like Chase Hooper and and there's other guys like this who I think could potentially end up being guys like Dustin, like Charles, like Max. Because you got to think about the time those guys came in; they were young, they were real mm-hmm. young. They, they didn't have a lot of fights, and it took them a lot of, a, a while to get there. But like when you look back at it, it's like Chase could have that kind of career where it takes a long time. And then, bam, he peaks, you know, once he's older in his mid to late 20s or late 20s and early 30s. Because I feel like people seem to forget that those guys like Dustin, like Max and Charles were like, what, 20 years old, yeah. 19, 18 years, you know, 19 years old or whatever coming into the UFC. And they've been around for a long, long time. Like, they were young as well. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, That's the thing that... uh Although, to be fair, though, I mean, you're kind of doing the best-case scenario with those guys. There's no, a lot saying, of guys that yeah. got here and just oh, washed out. There was, yeah, no, there, there's been a lot. There's, there's been plenty. But I'm saying that I feel like he, if he does, you know, that's the best-case scenario if he gets to that point. I think he could. I think he has – he's dedicated to the game, man. I genuinely believe that. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. And I think that there is a lot of um, – it's going to be a lot, of, a lot of fun fights for him in the future, especially now that he's uh, lightweight. I think it's the right move for him. And like I said, if I knew how much he was, weight he was cutting beforehand, 
Like, fuck me, dude. I would have, I would have suggested this move a long time think, ago, but. You know. Think about it, Josh. He, he already did the Charles move, dude. He already moved to 55. <laughs> there you go. Hey, Charles New Bronx number two. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really hope so, man. <laughs> Who knows? Like I, like I said, I, I think he'll be good. He's he's a work in progress, and there's plenty of time, man. He's 23. There's 10 years of fighting this kid at fucking at bare minimum. I want to believe. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um. Anyways, man. I mean, as far as the rest of the card goes, there's a couple of quick wins to go and highlight, man. Um, Rodrigo Nascimento picking up a win over Leo Latifi. Natalie Sylvia, who is a fucking problem, annihilated uh, Victoria Leonardo. Um, Victoria Leonardo, which, you know, I, I feel legitimately I feel legitimately bad for this poor woman, you know? Like, yeah, she, I mean, she had arguably the most, um, not the worst UFC run. There's a lot of people who have had worse because she won a fight. And, but, I mean, in terms of the damage that Victoria Leonardo took in her UFC career, it might be the most of any fighter I've ever seen. She debuted with a loss to Manon Um And I believe she broke her arm in that one. And then she faced Melissa Gatto. And then she broke her arm again. And then I think she broke her jaw against Natalie Sylvia. This poor fucking woman, dude. Like, holy shit. You know what I just thought about? And, her, and that was a lot of fight for UFC deal, so now she's a free agent too. Yeah, but you know, you saying that about like we're like a bad UFC run, dude. I wonder if is, did Chris Moutinho have the worst UFC run? I mean, you can definitely make a case. I mean, it was only he came one. in, got. I mean, he got his. I mean, he didn't just lose; he got annihilated twice. <laughs> I wasn't even expecting the second one. Yeah, exactly. well, the ageless wonder took him out the second time, so, I mean, <laughs> But, yeah, no, like, you saying that just made me think about that. I mean, he got standing TKO'd by Sean O'Malley. Yeah, and then he got, you know, I'm pretty sure the other one was also standing TKO because he's got that dog in him, but. Yeah, Guido Canetti. Yeah, Guido Canetti, the GOAT. But, yeah, man, I mean, that's about all I got. Oh, the last thing I wanted to mention on this uh, card. We got uh, my my fighter to watch this week. I don't know how good he'll actually be, but we got to shout out Temba Gorimbo. Uh, I apologize if I'm pronouncing his name incorrectly from Johannesburg, South Africa. 11 and 4, decent prospect. Uh, he said that he had $7 in his bank account before he fought at UC Vegas 73. In fact, that's not an on, that's also been an ongoing thing. You talked about how he couldn't pay for his classes. And guess who helped him other than UC welterweight contender? Colby Covington, who helped pay for some of his classes at MMA Masters and would bring him lunch and do a lot of things. And I, you know what? We've been, we've always been somebody who's always been harsh on Colby. And I think it's been deserved. We also got to give him props whenever he deserved it. And this is a fucking sick thing that Colby Covington did with it for this kid. Thank you, nerds and virgins. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Thank you. Hey, Angel, there's nothing wrong with being a nerd and a virgin, all right? Nothing wrong with it. Hey man, he 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 got him that lunch on behalf of Colby Covington Incorporated, America's there you champ, go. maybe. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. See, Colby, whatever in that, see, he he loves to help out people. Whenever he got knocked out by Jorge, that was a need for the first responders. I don't know if you remember that. So, oh my god, he does have some banger lines every once in a while. Like I said, <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> Anyways, man, I think we should move on because we do have a lot of fan questions for this week. Angel, we put the call out. We put the call out to Instagram, we put the call out to our social medias, YouTube, so on and so forth. 
And uh, we got a couple of questions, man. I like doing fan questions because it's not that often we get to communicate back with the fan base. It's always good just to talk about some on some uh, different topics than we normally talk about. We just previewing fights, recapping fights. First question, this one from you, the YouTube comments section. McGregor Forever review. Um, somebody asked us to do a review on McGregor Forever. Angel, I'm not sure if you noticed, Conor McGregor's four-part Netflix documentary came out earlier this month. I know that you watched all of it in one day, as did I, because it was a lot shorter than I actually thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be like four one-hour episodes, and then by the time we watched it, I realized, wait a minute, only two hours have gone by. So, <laughs> but anyways, man, uh, what did you think about it, man? Man, it kind of like, and I, I don't know if you kind of had the same expectations I did, but I didn't expect it to take the direction it did. You know, I thought it was going to be more like uh, right after the Dustin fight, if not, I'm talking like injury fight, mm. or a little bit before it leading into that, and kind of some of the recovery into this year and potentially like right up to where he's going to do like kind of tough and all that and behind the scenes and all that. Instead, we get a full-on flashback to uh, a training camp right before the Habib fight. And we kind of get some behind the scenes of that, kind of uh, find about find out about some injuries that happened and we get some uh locker room footage after all his fights uh kind of getting a real nice deep dive into some stuff you never get to see post fight mm. yeah i think i think the best part of now let's let's go and talk about it i saw a lot of people were saying like you know this conor netflix documentary it's all propaganda they don't show it it's like, no shit, dude. I mean, fucking everywhere you look, it's propaganda. If you want to get down to that technical part of it. You know, I do think that legitimately, uh, there is a lot to take away from it. I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, you get to see, because very rarely, you know, since he's actually become like a worldwide superstar, you get to see Conor McGregor in like a normal setting. Um, where he's not, presumably, um, I'm trying to be careful with my wording here, because I don't, I mean, we're like an actual podcast, and I don't like want to, offend anybody but like you know the only time you really see connor now do interviews is like whenever it's like midnight in the club you know pupils are dilated hey been there my friend i you know we got another <laughs> question we got another question later on is what do you guys do in your free time so if you want the actual answer it's what connor regger is doing on saturdays too so it's like <laughs> that's the only time you really see connor nowadays is pupils dilated in the nightclub being like you know he's just like breaking it down literally like shifting from side to side that's the only real setting so if you're looking for somewhere to see like connor like just talking like a normal person like it was interesting to see you don't see it too too often these days man and also it's just cool to see like uh what a high level you know ufc like training camp looks like and for connor we haven't seen that in a long time and you got to see all the little things of the habib fight the poirier fight and the cowboy come back and i think I gotta be honest, Angel, it kinda, the McGregor Forever documentary made me sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I think, uh, above all else, like, if there was a mo- an emotion, like, I felt joy watching it, because if you weren't there for Conor McGregor's rise, I can't, I can't explain it to you. Like, if you were not there, I can't put into words what it was like. Right? And so that part gave me joy seeing it again. On the other aspect, it's like we're never going to see like um, it's it's a double sided coin. We're never going to see something like that again. You know what I mean? Um, and for Conor McGregor, even then, I think he knows deep down inside that it's not going to happen again because I think you he knew back in 2020, which is why he tried to do a season. And I remember at the time 
this podcast is around back then. I'm sure you can go find episodes where we were like, I don't know if he'll fight three or four times like he says he wants to. No, Josh. No, it's McGregor forever. And I will see you at the top. <laughs> and I will see. Yeah, right? But it ended up happening. Uh, the, the, the season that he won because of COVID, and I don't think he ever – I, I think he knows that like that was his last shot to get back at what he what he needed to do. Um, last run. I think that was going to be his last run, and I think he knew that, which is why he wanted to get back. And and the worst part is too is he watched the training, and he was actually putting in the work. He was serious about fighting three or four times in 2020, but then COVID came and he fought once, and then that was that, and they ended up losing to Poirier the following year, and then broke his leg, and now we're here. So, um. It kind of it was, was kind of sad, you know. But yeah, you know, that's how I feel really, about it. What what moment stood out to you? Kind of like go, kind of since we are going to talk about it, uh, kind of give our overall review here. Uh, what particular moments in the documentary stood out to you? Did you have a favorite episode by any chance? And if you did, which one was it? Yeah, I don't have a favorite episode, but I will say the moment that stood out most to me is it was some anime type shit watching Connor react to Habib retiring live. You saw, I mean, dude, you saw the twinkle in his, in his eyes disappear. I'm not even joking. Because for Connor, Connor, and I understand there's going to be people in the comment section probably like, Connor was always going to lose to Beeb. He was never going to beat him in a rematch. I know. Like, it's just, just, I know that. Angel probably knows that as well. But at the same time, Connor, you, don't get to the, you don't get to the level of success that Connor Rigger has without being borderline psychotic in terms of um, competitiveness. So he was border. He was a borderline psychotic when it comes to like I gotta get that rematch with Habib. And then you like he's watching it live and he's like, like you see like he you know he's like oh you know he he won't do it, he won't do it, you know. And he's kind of like he was literally in denial and like he's like it's all right, it is what it is, it'll happen. Didn't end up happening, you know. So um, I thought that was legitimately interesting. What was your favorite moment, if you have one? Every single bit of back, like, locker room footage, dude. Every single bit of it. Uh, For the first one, after the beat fight, where he goes in the locker room, we just that, that shot of him just leading back. You see his family there, and then at one point his son comes over and tries to comfort him. And then it goes to this shot that actually that stood out a lot to me. It was uh, one of his coaches sitting down. You see the UFC belt on the ground. Coach looking down in sadness, and the proper 12 bottle turned around. Uh, That, that just captured that whole moment as a whole. And then the other one, obviously, uh, the locker room, man, the, after the Dustin fight, I think it was, or I can't remember if it was the Cowboy fight, just the excitement again, you know, kind of uh, the mm-hmm. contrast. Yeah, but I think the backs, the backstage stuff uh, was very interesting. Um, partially because it's so rare to get an off, and I, the big one is obviously the Habib one. You know, whenever he goes and that that clip's already been shared online, you know, a shit ton of times I've already seen it pop up where like Connor loses and he goes back to the back and he just sits down and he lets out and like he, he lets like a lets out like a sigh and he just keeps staring forward and it's like like I don't think he's ever been the same since. <laughs> That's not me being a joke or like being a dick. Like I don't think Connor has been the same since like something mentally changed over the course of that twenty twenty. Um, whenever he lost to Habib and then he didn't get the rematch, he couldn't fight for a year. And then he came back to lose twice in a row to, um, Justin Poirier. Cause like I said, that's what happens to dude. Like whenever you're a borderline, literally psychotic, obsessive at being the best, whenever you're not the best, that's a massive, massive problem. So 
Yeah, man, I think that's that's about all I've got for uh, my own personal thoughts on um, Brugger Forever. I recommend people watch it. I think it's fun. It's not that big of a, you know, it's it's not that major of a uh, documentary. You don't even really need to see it, but I think if you're somebody who's a Connor fan, if you're an MMA fan, you might as well give it a watch. It's only like two hours, you know, so anyways, man. Um, if you're a Conor McGregor hater, you definitely don't watch it because they don't portray him too badly. Um, but anyways, yeah, man. Uh, next up is another question from YouTube. Prediction for Francis Ngannou's first PFL opponent. Um, and I included this question, you know, because I like to talk about the Ngannou situation. I find it interesting. I think it's going to be interesting to see what the PFL will do. Um, in terms of the Predators' uh, debut, however, something we should go ahead and note, Francis Ngannou's uh, debut inside the PFL Smart Cage trademark won't come until 2024. Uh, so they have, I believe, like, it's going to be, like, early 2024, like, around, like, March, April. Uh, spring, I guess, was is the target date. But they still have a lot of time. So that kind of does beg the question. They have the time. They have the money. We know that they have a shit ton of investment money. We also know that anybody that fights Francis Ngannou in the PFL will make over a million dollars, which means that there's a lot of guys right now that are probably all looking towards them. So, Angel, I want you to just take a shot in the dark, or at least give a couple of names. Who do you think could realistically fight Francis Ngannou in the PFL in his debut? Look, I, this is a, this one's out there for you, but I've been thinking about it. I think the PFL does cross-promotion, and I think we get Ryan Bader versus Francis Ngannou. Really? Yeah, so if they can't buy the PFL, then they'll take out the PFL themselves. <laughs> you mean Bellator? Yeah, or Bellator, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's hilarious. Yeah, I, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, or if they do get Bellator, like, you know, Bellator's on sale or part of it or whatever it's been, the whole conversation, then I feel like Ryan Bader's obviously there as an option. Mm-hmm. And a guy who's been around and kind of uh, found a lot of success at uh, heavyweight now at this time in his career. And uh, obviously and other heavyweights from the Bellator roster as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. And I think that if they go out and either find a way to cross-promote with Bellator or they find a way to buy out Bellator, the obvious move is going to go ahead and just be to have Ngannou versus Ryan Bader. <laughs> But I do have a couple of a couple of names actually, um, and then I'll tell you my my most likely one. So, Angel, let's just run it down. I mean, you look at the PFL heavyweight roster; it's not going to be anybody that's currently signed to the promotion. I feel like really strongly about that. I agree. Um, it could. I mean, if you look at, I mean, who even like Ante Delizia, Maurice? Mm-hmm. Ray, no. No, fuck off. It's not going to be either one of those Dude, guys. those are bangers, dude. You're telling me that the PFL <laughs> heavyweight champion is not going to take out Francis Ngannou, dude? Come on. Yeah, right, dude? No. Um, <laughs> I think yeah. if you take uh, – I dude, there's some of those guys that, like, I'm pretty sure – like, Josh, <laughs> he's lucky for Risu Verdum retired or was pushed out of the people. He's fucking <laughs> lucky, dude. It's fucking lucky that Fabrizio said he. For, well, I'm pretty sure Fabrizio is no longer tied to the PFL, but I know that he still is on good terms with them. He said he <laughs> wants to fight Ngannou in Brazil in a sixty thousand uh, person stadium. What a guy! Which they I mean, could do, but I don't think they'll do why that. Why wouldn't he want to? Yeah, I don't think I don't think they'll do it next, just because historically, whenever they, whenever you do a pay per view, if you do it in America, it does a lot better. 
So, um, I don't think he'll do that next. I think in the future of, of Verdun versus Nganu fight Brazil in, in one of their big soccer stadiums could be massive. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it will happen next. Um, I don't think he's going to be able to be on the PFL roster. Um, I think people should be looking for a couple of names. I think Alistair Overeem. Overeem uh, got a bag in glory. Um, but he said that he's willing to do one, a couple more fights, and a chance for him to potentially avenge a loss to Mugano for a massive payday. It probably looks attractive for him. Um, you know, Verdum is a possibility, but a slight one. Um, I think, I think that they may go outside the box, Angel, and I don't know what that means. I think they're going to go outside the box. I could see them even doing, you know, one I've, one name I've seen people say that, um, just kind of like an iffy one to think could happen. Rico Verhoeven. Rico Verhoeven. I think I that. knew you were going this way. I fucking knew it. I had it. I in the think. Back of my I head. think he. I think it really could, dude. I think Rico, because it makes sense, dude. It makes a lot of sense for Rico to do it. I mean, if you look at, I don't even know how many people know who Rico Verhoeven is. If you guys don't know, he's the current Glory Heavyweight Champion. He's been the long reigning champion since I want to say. I mean, fuck me. When did he win the belt, dude? Like. It had to be pre- 2013. Yeah. I mean, he's been champion for as long as I can remember, basically. Well, for the people who don't know, he is the heavyweight guy in kickboxing at this time. Yeah, he's I mean, that guy, pal. I mean, he's beaten uh, – he beat Botter twice, granted, injury. But he's, he's – he's, you know, he's – and also, here's the thing. I think Rico Verhoeven – if Glory had better promotion, I don't understand why kickboxing is not taken off in the States. I know that multiple promotions have tried over the years. I think if they try it now, it'll work. Rico Verhoeven has the look. He speaks well. He's an intelligent guy. He has a fun fight style. He's 1-0 in MMA and trains out of a fucking MMA gym. You know what I mean? Like, if he wants to make the move, and also it works out because it would draw more attention to Glory. It would draw more attention to kickboxing in the U.S. It would also draw, draw more attention to Rico. And he's <laughs> Angel. I almost said it. <laughs> no, but anyways, yeah. I mean, it gives him a chance to be a big star, and also like it probably be a competitive fight because Rico, best kickboxer on the planet. I think he's also like two or three and as a boxer. Like he's competed in all the disciplines. Fuck it, dude. Rico Verhoeven versus uh, Francis Ngannou next. Give it to me. You know something? Would that be the play? Because the big thing is Francis is going to fight MMA next year, not this yeah. year. From what we know, we know that for a fact. So it kind of be it'd be a good time for Rico to do it because he would get plenty of time to prepare. Francis would be coming off a boxing camp, going into an MMA camp afterwards, and he'll be uh, he would be out of MMA for over almost two years at that point, going into mm-hmm. that. So it would be a very competitive match if uh, if Rico came into a very well prepared and knowing that uh not necessarily and Francis isn't necessarily by trade a grappler. I think it could turn into a very fun fight very quick. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. So I think that the PFL should be thinking on orthodox names. I think, I think if they just go for like Fabrizio Verdum or like an old legend, like I don't know how well it's gonna work out. I think they should really just go all in on taking a fucking risk, or at the very least, getting a big name that like we're just not thinking of right now. You know. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. A lot of it depends on who becomes free agents over the next year. You yeah, I mean? too. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. Like Bellator, PFL. Like, they might merge, that's huge, and that'll open up a lot more names, but in terms of, like, actual opponents, I think it has to be UFC guys that are leaving, and they're like, we're going to get a fucking payday, you know? Like, 
Could you ever see a world where they get a boxing guy in there? <laughs> yes. But really? I don't know who would take it because I don't know. I well, a million. I mean, fuck, man. I mean, I don't, look, for sure, there's one guy out there who's had some other. Dillian White. Dillian White has fought in MMA. As I said, for, for, for and Lucas has, Brown. There has to, and I'm sure there's another guy in there. Like there's some other guy that we probably don't know about who's probably fought in the discipline. Like I can't remember. There was like some guy who's like 15 and 0 in boxing. He's like Ukrainian, and he did like an MMA match or bare knuckle. I can't remember. He fucking killed this dude. Damn. Yeah. Oh, Someone I think we should... talked about this guy. I think we talked about this guy. This is a guy that fight. Uh, I think like a Ukrainian guy who's like 15 and 0 in boxing. He might actually fight for the title title soon. He actually fought Artem Lobov in like the pandemic and bare knuckle, and nearly fucking killed him. Yeah, I think it was him. I think that's what we're thinking of. You know, there's yeah, sure there's can't... some guy like that equivalent yeah. in heavyweight. You know. Yeah, but a lot of it just like I said. That's why I don't really like answering this question right now because it's just it's really hard because we don't know who's going to be free agents. They need name power too, dude. I think that's a big thing because if he's going to fight on that pay per view, it be the pay per view because there be their pay per view super fight card or whatever. They need a name like desperate because France is going to be the main event. Oh yeah. They said that they're, you know what's interesting is they said they're not going to do a, a pay per view this year. They said they're pushing off their pay per view till their pay per views till next year Which to is, get more time for Jake yeah. uh, to train in MMA and for Ngannou to focus on boxing and train. By the way, have you seen all that, uh, like, Bo and him have been, like, hella close? Like, hella that's, close? That's very smart, yeah. Like, like I'm, I'm talking, he's been there a lot. Like, I see him constantly in all these videos, Instagram reels. Like, he's somewhere in the background or something. He was there for the Lomite Haney fight. They were together for that. Which I'm like, very intelligent move, bro. Mm-hmm. Very intelligent. For sure, man. For sure. Um. Anyways, man. And actually, by the way, I looked it up. The, the guy that, uh, the, <laughs> it, you know, on paper... This is probably the most lopsided fight I've ever seen. Now that I'm looking at more of this guy's credentials, so Denise Bernicik, uh, yes, out of Kiev, uh, Ukraine, uh, got silver in the Olympics, won the 2011 World Amateur Boxing Championships, is 17 and 0, and is now the European lightweight champion and a WB international champion. And seemingly, for some reason, in in July 2021, he just said. Fuck it, I'm gonna fight in bare knuckle, and he beat the dog shit out of Artem Lobov. <laughs> Jesus Christ, the, 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 this kid is so good that he keeps on aging worse as the day passes. You know what I mean? <laughs> like he beat somebody on a Fury versus a Ch- yeah, he fought on the undercard of Fury versus Chisora at three in December. Like he's actually becoming like a relatively like high profile guy. That's hilarious. Poor Artem, dude. <laughs> Poor guy. Anyways, man, uh, I think it's about time we go ahead and move on back to uh, fan questions because we have one from Instagram. We talked about UC 291. Uh, Dustin Poirier, I guess, Justin Gaethje in the main event. However, BMF title on the line. The question is, what do you think about the BMF title returning? I think we kind of gave our thoughts a little bit last week, but Adrian, we want to talk in depth. What do you think about the BMF title making its way on back? I mean, it doesn't really mean anything, but I'm I'm down for it. You know, it adds a little bit of something. You know, just it's there, bragging rights, whatever you want to call it. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, I don't care too much about the BMF title. I thought it made. I mean, I don't know. It's like I don't have any beef with it. I think that a lot of people are like, it's like WWE, and I'm like, oh. Guys, like that's that the sport has always been like WWE. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, 
you don't get to pick and choose the parts that you like versus you don't. Like it's always our sport has always been interconnected to WWE, and now they're literally the same fucking company. Like they work together under the same roof. So that's hilarious. If you think about it, I know, I know. I mean, it is kind of funny too, though, because I remember like even like my 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 fiance's like parents. I'll talk to them about like they'll ask me like, what I do for my job, and I'll try to explain MMA, and they're like, oh. And then every time they see me, it's like, oh, like wrestling. You know, I'm like. Oh, no, it's real fighting. Like it's just, it's just real combat. And then, and then the WWE bought them out, and I was like, "Well, fuck me," you know. Like, or they bought the WWE out. Excuse me. Um, but anyways, yeah, I mean, it's it's a gimmick. It's WWE esque, but like, dude, like, it does not bother me. I do think it's funny whenever Dana says things like, "You know, we're the UFC. We don't do gimmick fights." And then like the BMF title. Like, literally at the press conference, I don't know if they handled it. It was like an Eric Andre skit. Like, he answered a question about Nganu, and he was like, Gosh. you know, we don't we do not do gimmick fights here. We don't do gimmick boxing matches. And then literally two minutes before that, literally two minutes, if you, I, you time stamp it, he was By like, the, way, the BMF title is back, guys. <laughs> I just had a realization, Josh. It's out of another name that Nganu could fight. Yeah. In MMA and in boxing, and it makes sense. Please, go ahead. Tyron Spong. Shit, that makes a lot of sense. They could do it, bro. They could do. It. I don't know if he's allowed to box because of, you know, uh, Tyron uh, did some. You know, he might have been on something uh, evil. You know, he might have done something that he shouldn't have done. He failed a test, what? a very. He failed a very important test. So, dude, I, Tyron Spawn is so. He, I mean, you were talking about a guy that just cannot get out of his own way right now. I mean, he, and it's not exactly like he's even like a high profile guy. He just keeps on lucking, lucking his way into like massive fights and situations and he keeps on just not like, he somehow find it, found his way into Sergey, uh, against Sergey Karatanov in that Eagle FC fight and he lost. Like he had two, he was, he was scheduled to fight Alexander Usyk and Andy Ruiz and they both fell apart. <laughs> Like, I know the, the Usyk one was because he tested positive, but I don't know what happened with the Andy one. Um, anyways, yeah, I mean, it's rough out there, man. It's rough out there for Tyron Spawn right now. So maybe that's – I don't think they'll give it to him because he already lost to Sergey Karatanov in MMA, but we'll see. Hey, he's only 2-1 in MMA, so. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. And he could – I don't know if Spawn is still ranked by any chance by any body, but if he would be, and then gone to – you know, had a boxing match against them. It'd be pretty ideal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. But um, that obviously remains to be seen. Um, next up, man. Funny enough, we just talked about Francis Ngannou and Dana White. Uh, why is Dana, the question? The question, I'm actually going to read the question word for word. Why Dana, quote, why Dana got to be so mean to Ghani? Uh, spelled G-A-N-I. So... <laughs> Uh, Angel, I'll ask the same question to you. Why Dana got to be so mean to Ghani? Because Dana hates anybody who leaves the UFC because he thinks that's the only place they could succeed. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just... But it's simply, man, it's all it is. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, it's just fight, dude. I mean, it's just fight. I mean, there's no, there's no other reason. Like, I saw Ngannou, like, like he, he. You know, I thought Ngannou phrased his question really well when he when he responded to Dana on Twitter. He's like, "Why yep. does it hurt you? Why are you so angry to see me happy? Like, it's just because like that's the thing I've never honestly understood with like 
this whole thing, dude. It's like people are angry at like Ngannou, and Ngannou's always been relatively professional. He he hasn't talked shit about Dana. You know what I mean? Like he's been professional about this whole process. You know, even as so far as like whenever all the promoters were coming out and being like, you know, like oh, Ngannou wants too much money. Like he didn't he didn't talk shit about him until like he signed. He was like, all right, now let me go ahead and correct the record. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, Dana is just spite, man. I mean, I don't. It's just disappointing. It is. It's just disappointing. You know, that's all it is. Um, I mean, I don't know what to say about it. I mean, I, I, I people who listen to the show very much know my opinions on Dana White already, so I don't think there's anything I could really add to this. Um, but you know, Dana is who he's going to be, and I don't think that anything's going to change that. Um. He's never changed. I'll give him that. Like he, he's always kept it the same way, man. How he feels about guys leaving. That's true. He's always kept it the same way. You know, like and it's not like he's changing. I will say the only time Dana didn't have an issue with someone leaving, or I say he didn't like down talk him or say anything, was Shane Burrios that I can think of. I know, which is hilarious. I think it's just because Shane, uh, he ended up like just the way it worked out. They offered him something. He was compl- he was a free agent completely. And he got an offer. He got the offer from the PFL, and it was just better. And he went back to UFC. And UFC's like, well, we're not going to give you more. And uh, you know, you should take this opportunity. Which I mean, I guess that's why it was just that smooth. And I'm guessing, I'm assuming they probably just never had any issues with Shane. Shane was yeah. going to fight, so it was probably just a perfect thing. Uh, and also, he wasn't like a Francis or Connor or Nate mm-hmm. level star, you know. Yeah, because uh, a guy like Ngannou leaving, that actually does have the chance. Like, the fact, like, I understand that the UC is trying so hard to put out the narrative that, like, Ngannou leaving, oh, we released him, it's not a big deal, it's not this, it's not that. It really doesn't matter that much. Like, the last time a champion left the UFC was BJ Penn 20 fucking years ago. <laughs> so we're literally, it does not happen, because the UFC contracts are structured to make it not happen. You know, and then after Ngannou left, and, and shout out to all the MMA websites who, you know, mysteriously didn't report on it, they changed their contracts after Ngannou left to essentially prevent another Francis Ngannou. Like, there's more clauses, and so it's like the whole point about like Dana has to offer you three fights a year and it's a four fight. That that's just that's not real. None of that's ever been real. You know what I mean? Um, they can they can hold you and not offer you a fight as long as six months. You know what I mean? Um, and I think now it's been put up to a year. Like, that, that clause has changed multiple times due to legality of it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Dana Dana's just mad about anybody that leaves. And Dana is mad at anybody that correctly points out that, like, if Dana White and the UFC really wanted to make Frank Ngana versus John Jones, they could have made Frank Ngana versus John Jones. You know what I mean? Every, every uh, This is what I always have an issue with the UFC nut huggers, dude. Like, like. They never, they always get mad at the fighters for leaving and wanting more for themselves. They never ask, why does Dana White need another fucking jet? You know what I mean? They never ask, why does Dana White need another yacht or five hundred, like fifty grand to go drop to a fucking milk boy? You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't need those things. You know what I mean? Like, he could, fighter, fighter pay is the lowest that it's been right now, like in, in terms of percentage, that it's ever been. You know? And I hate to spoil the league because that's something we're going to talk about later, but. It's just infuriating, you know? It's just, it's just, it, it makes me mad, you know? Because I don't know how, I know there's, like, a lot of new UFC fans, but it's like, dude, at a certain point, something's going to snap in your head where you're like, dude, I just watched, I'm watching these people take obscene amounts of damage, and they're making the same money that I make, 
You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just that's Granted, not though, right. <laughs> they're doing it a much shorter amount of time though, but they're putting in a lot of work too and getting hurt. Yeah, I mean, like people are always like, well, you know, they fight three times a year. That's yeah, you make forty k a fight. That's that's one hundred twenty. That's more than what I make. It's like d- dumbass. Like they have to pay managers. They have to pay their gym. They have yeah. to go. They have to try and make that money work for like six months to a year at a time. Like yeah. And if the UFC has beef with you, they'll just keep you out of action. So yeah. it's a your terrible best, system. Your best case scenario, man, is getting a bonus in a year. Like if you get one bonus in that year, that's big. That's why you see oh. these guys so emotional and cry afterwards when they get it because that mo- that bonus literally helps them for the whole year. I mean, that's that's literally the, uh, like a, what a person makes in a year. That 50k, yeah, is what you make in a year, and they're making that on one out of bonus on top of their regular pay. And that's why you see these people break down afterwards because it's that big of money and how how much is changing their lives. Can, can I admit something? I uh-huh. fucking hate those videos. I hate those. I hate those videos for the same reason that I hate um what videos? Just like those videos stuff. of like you'll see like a UFC fighter get like they'll be told that they want a bonus and they just break down. You know what I mean? Like it's uh-huh. nice to see somebody's life changed, but it shouldn't have had to get to that point for their life to be changed. You know what I mean? You're, you're not fucking, you're not wrong, yeah. but it, but it's an awesome moment to see that yeah. that it's that. No, 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 for sure. Yeah. yeah, no, no, of course that aspect is awesome. It's yeah. the other part of like, so for example, I talked about how Colby Covington was paying for uh, our boy to train, and that he only had seven dollars in his account. He's not a UFC newcomer. Like I don't know how many people think he fought in the UFC before. He fought against AJ Fletcher, and I think he also fought in contender series. A guy that's going on three fights in the UFC should not have seven fucking dollars in his bank account. You know what I mean? Like that's embarrassing to the sport. Like we're the only sport that's like this, too. And not the only one, but the only major sport and major sporting league that is like this. Like even that's the like, being a fighter though, dude. And if you're a fighter, kickboxing, MMA, BJJ. I mean, it's yeah. just that hard, man, no matter what. Yeah. Unless you're at the top, unless you're a champ, you're not going to be living. You know what I mean? And, and it makes no, sense. No, of course. And it makes sense. And it's always been like that. You know, let's be honest, even boxing money, man, isn't great until yeah. you're, like, at the top. Well, and a lot of people don't even know that part of it either. Like, a lot of MMA guys see, like, Floyd Mayweather made, like, $100 million in fight, and they don't realize that Floyd Mayweather's the only guy to have done that. You know what I mean? Like, him yeah. and Connor and Manny Pacquiao, yeah, that's it. There's a select few people in boxing who make, like, fuck you money, and there's guys who make great money in boxing, but who make, like, generational wealth. I think I think generational wealth guys are, like, Canelo, probably Fury at this point. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and here's the thing, dude. Here's the thing when it comes to the UFC products uh, right now. It's just fault. I, I use this phrase a lot when you and me are talking off air because we talk about, like, the economy and corruption and shit. I'm always just like, just dude, dude, follow the money. Like, for example... Why? Okay. Usually has their product fine tuned to a current point to where I do not like it right now. I overall, like I like fighters, certain fighters, and I like certain events. But the UC products right now, where they have, they're shitting out Apex events, and there's just like eight contender series guys making their debut every week, you know what I mean? That I don't know. I'm not a fan of that product. But here's why that product's not going to change, dude. Like they have this shit so fine tuned. Like, Think about the Contender Series guys. Angel, where do you think Contender Series guys are coming from? Oh, dude, not even the LFA, dude. Like, uh, smaller promotions than that. I mean, you I will know, get... And, but how do you think the UFC knows them? Oh, through their agents. Through, through the same their agents. agents. Yeah. He manages, like, 10 other guys. Well, not even that. It's like, 30, 40 other guys in the same... In the same weight class, let alone... Yeah. Like, I believe Jason House from Iridium has, like, 400 or 500 agents. Ali is a similar case. Like, these guys... Like... Man, 
Like the the man, that's a fucked up part, man. The managers are in it on it. You know what I mean? And you can't get in the UFC these days without one of those five or six MMA man, managers who are going to get you a contract for like ten and ten. So they're fucking you over, and they're taking some of your money. But you can't get in the UFC without working one of those managers who are pretty much just working for the UFC because we have no structural fucking boundary to stop that from happening. You know what I mean? It's just, it's corruption for the fucking top down, man. Even to the fucking managers who are arguably, in my opinion, I don't, like, I talk about it, but no MMA media or anybody talks about the fact that managers are arguably the worst people in this equation. Because they're the ones that are purposely working with the company to fuck over their fighters. Like, that's been found in the UFC, like, in the UFC. I mean, I'm sorry if I'm, like, droning on a little bit. Like, you can come no, off at any point. Um, you know, I was going to ask you, though, how, how much realistically does a manager make from a guy making 10 and 10? Because your real money for a manager comes from your guys who are making the big bucks, you know? Well, that's that's kind of the whole that's kind of the whole thing, right? <clears throat> they're not taking a huge cut. I believe... It depends on the, the the type of fighter you are, how big your skills get is. A lot of managers will take 10% as base. 5 to 10% as base. And 5 to 10% of like a $10,000 contract is not much. Which is exactly why those guys have 500 clients. You know what I mean? <clears throat> so that's pretty much why. Like they, uh, it, But it works out for them. It works out for them. It doesn't work out for the fighters. And I think the most fucked up thing is like, this is why like I, I don't argue with people about USC fighter pay anymore. Because anybody that argues about UFC fighter pay, they're not arguing in, in good faith. You know what I mean? If they're arguing on behalf of the UFC. Because it's all public information. Like, UFC fighter pay has gone down from 40% in 2006 to 13% of the company's per, like overall expenditures in 2023. 13%. It's gone down 27% at its peak. 40%. And somebody might be like, well, what about other MMA companies? Bellator's 45. Strikeforce was 60 you know, I don't remember which. I, I couldn't find the information on the PFL or one championship. But regardless, those are two examples. UFC, like, they're not paying anybody shit. And here's the worst part of it. In the UFC's antitrust lawsuit, which is being bankrolled by guys like Nate Corey, Kung Lee, who get no, no promotion from it. They get nothing from it. Yeah, that's crazy, suing, too. Exactly. Nobody talks about it except for me. I try to bring it up, like, all the time because more people should be aware about it. And you can also just look up, like, UFC antitrust lawsuit, and you can find all the documents that have been presented in the case. And I believe Nate Quarry's talked about how they found, like, there are managers. So, like, the UFC, would, they, they get in contact with the UFC. The UFC would be like, hey, we'll do 14 and 14 for this guy to start. And the managers would be like, no, well, actually, actually, let's do 10 and 10. We can work with you. You know what I mean? Like, they'll, they have found multiple examples of, like, managers taking less money to get the UFC to like them. Like, it's the craziest shit. Like, corruption from the top down. And everybody's just like, well, why did the Francis Ngannou just fight John Jones? It's like, dude, <laughs> I would love to see Francis Ngannou fight John Jones, but until more people take a stand, until like until more people grow balls like Francis Ngannou and are willing to take that hit, it's gonna stay bad. That's the thing, man. Like people want to talk about how like this change or that that'll change with like just with time, but like, dude, like why do people think all the you don't, we don't get to the point, you know, where we are in history without good men making decisions, you know what I mean? And taking hits when they, when other people aren't willing to. And, you know, if there's more France and Ganos, then things will change, but if there's not, then things won't change. So, that's about my thoughts on, on that and, you know, the UFC's business model at the moment. And, uh, yeah, that's why Dana White hates France and Ganos so much. You want to know the real answer? Just fucking greed. That's why. That's the only reason why. But. I think I went on probably way too long about that subject. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good, man. I, I get it. I, I, I'd love to see these guys get, uh, 
should be in better spots, better positions to to be able to succeed in the sense of a uh, opportunity choice and being able to get out of contracts if they if they want to take an opportunity somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's just it's a uh, MMA's in a bad place right now, and we're 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 on the verge of seeing like how the war is going to be won. You know what I mean? Like the UFC is paying a lot of uh, politicians. Um, to essentially stop any sort, because you know corruption's legal. Shout out, Angel, it's all connected, dude. It's just, it's just, I'm not, it's all connected. Shout out Citizens United, which allows for the UFC to pay off politicians to make sure no any actual legislation can be done to stop MMA. But still, even then, like the courts are still arguing over right now. So, like I said, we're at a we're at a precipice where we're going to go ahead and see how the war is going to be won within the next couple of years, and uh, we'll see how it goes. But anyways, man, I think it's about enough time because. We got another question from Instagram in terms of actual fight and breakdowns. Does the Sugar Show have a chance? He's never fought an elite wrestler to this point in his career. Angel, what do you think, man? Obviously, um, talking about Sean O'Malley going to be fighting Al Joe in August, likely. What do you think, man? He has any chance like any fighter, man. The puncher's chance. And, uh... Obviously, we, he has a jiu-jitsu game that we really haven't gotten to see. That uh, I know he's pretty proactive in his area. Likes to roll a lot, go out there. Likes being in the gi. Uh, we've seen him at some of these quintet events before, uh, where he's gone against guys like No uh, Gomi, Hector Lombard, Gilbert Melendez. So he definitely has ground capabilities. The, the thing is, will his ground skills be able to match up against a guy in Aljo? It look impossible to say, right? Like like I tell Josh and. and uh, in private, I think he has a good chance as anybody does, right? It's whether or not does he show up on that night and not under underestimate Aljamain Sterling and, and uh, do what other people haven't been able to do because it's not like Alger's getting these guys out of there. Alger's getting to decisions, and even then they're relatively they're still relatively close. And even on some in some people's opinions, the other guy won. It's can Sean O'Malley make do be on the other end of that and get the decision for some or get the finish and not even allow it to get a scorecard and make it his show. Can it actually be the sugar show? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I think the interesting thing is uh, I honestly have no idea. Um, I don't – I mean, the thing about Sean O'Malley is is I saw, you know, Aljo talked about how, you know, the one time that he was on his back, he got smashed by um, Marlon Vera. And the only other time we've also seen him on his back is when Peter Young was taking, taking him down. He kept on getting back up. You know, I honestly don't know, um, and I think anybody should. I think everybody should be cautious about this fight for that reason. We've seen Sean O'Malley compete at a lot of jiu-jitsu events over the years, and he's he's looked pretty damn good on the mats. But obviously, that's just on the mats, different than a fight. Um, I think the Sugar Show has a chance. I think a lot of people are being, and I say this is somebody who's like a hardcore Aljamain Sterling fan. Like I've given him a lot more credit than a lot of other people are willing to do at this point in his title run. But I still, I'm, I'm not willing to say it's a guaranteed win because you know what, dude? We have not seen the Sugar Show fight an elite wrestler. A lot of people think that's just going to be like, oh, well, you know, he's going to go get fucked up. But like, dude, just, I'm just going to give you an example. We talked about him earlier, Conor McGregor, Chad Mendes. I heard the same thing. You know what I mean? Oh, he's never fought a wrestler before. He and he's a striker. He must just be terrible at it. Like, no, Conor is able to get back to his feet, and he was able to win that fight with his striking. Granted, got taken down a couple times, but he was able to re- readjust the fight to where he needs it to be. Aljamain Sterling is going to take down Sean O'Malley. It's a question of can Sean get up, and can he get to positions 
for he's able to get back to his wheelhouse of striking and put it on Aljo. That's that's the big question because he's going to be taken down, you know. Yeah, it's, I think a lot of times people when they when they think of matchups like this where it's like you know you got a guy who's never maybe fought a lot of guys with a specific skill set and like can he do X and Y to counteract that? It's more or less can he get not get to that those spots to begin with and do what they're good at, you know? Mm. You know, it's not about standing up with Israel Adesanya. It's can you find ways to counteract Israel Adesanya and stand up and take it to the ground in a place where he's not allowed that comfortably, keep it on the ground and not allow him to get up where he's the most dangerous, you know? That's the thing. And that's why Aljo's going to fight the way he does. He's not going to stand with Sean O'Malley. I mean, he will, but he'll stand to get to his wrestling, you know? Just like Sean will counter-wrestle or use jujitsu or use positions to get back to his feet and get into the stand up where he's comfortable. It's mm-hmm. not a matter. It's not so much of can Sean wrestle. It's more or less can can Sean counter whatever is being brought at him. I feel like a lot of times people want things to be like they want guys to be good wrestlers. They just want to be everything, which is not ever going to be. There's very few guys who are ever going to be good at everything in MMA. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's kind of like uh, this, this, this is look. This is going to sound very goofy. But I'm going to put this in gamer too. Think about an MMO character. A character that's good at a little bit of everything is not, they're, they're, they're not, they're not going to be a very good character because they can do a little bit of everything, but they'll never stand out at anything. So how mm-hmm. they, you know, like if you have a, a character that does damage and a character that heals, well, if he does a little bit of healing, a little bit of damage, then he's just mediocre. He's not going to be great at one thing or excel at one. You have to excel at one and have the other ones behind it so you can be complete. You know what's funny is you make the video game comparison and I, and I giggled, not because it's a bad comparison, but because video games, like at, at RPGs and combat sports are almost hilariously linked if you think about it. Like it, they all have, every fighter has their strength. Like they all have their own techniques that they specialize in. You know what I mean? Their, like, their archetype. Thing. It's, it's, fighting is literally just an MMO when you really think about it. So uh, it's just, yeah. You know, um, but anyways, yeah, I mean, I think you put it really well there, man. I really think, um, I mean, final thoughts on the Sean Aljo fight. Don't want to preview too much. He's going to get taken down. Like I said, it's just, can he get himself to position where he can get up or find some success even on the mat? Maybe he get, hey, you know, crazy things have happened. Takes the back. Maybe we'll see what happens. You know what I mean? Just, you, you never know, man. For all we exactly. get, we get, we get, uh, let me think. How would I, Murgaba Madoff, you know, Sean Murgaba Madoff, you know? Sean exactly. O'Malley Mercadadoff. Anyways, man. Yeah, I mean, to, to close out, should he, can he, does he, does he stand a chance? Yes. Um, like so, anybody. Yeah, man. Yeah, very good chance. Not um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd put him as the underdog, but. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you know, you're going in against the champion. Unless you're like some dominant guy who's finished everybody going into your championship fight, I doubt that, you know, he'll be, he'll be a favorite, you know? Yeah, for sure. So. Uh, anyways, man, um, one, next up, this one's from Instagram, uh, they asked us, are you a fan of influencer boxing with the answers? Yes, but should it be taken, because we talk about it all the time, but should it be taken seriously? Like, well, it, it, it depends what you mean by seriously, which is funny that I'm even bringing this up, right? Because it's like, he's asking us, are we taking it seriously? But what do you mean by seriously? Seriously in the sense of like, do we seriously think these guys are competitors or do we seriously think this is a good, like good form of entertainment or do we seriously think it's, uh, honest to boxing? You know, there, there's a lot to that question. Like you can really, uh, open that up into a lot more, you know? But, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, they kind of put it a little simply serious in the sense of like, is it serious? Like these high level matches boxing, like Devin Haney, let me check it. 
No, it's never going to be like that. But is it fun? Is it a freak show? Yes. I think that's more or less what it is. It's something – it's a different product from everything else. I don't look at it and think these guys are world champion. I don't think these guys are world class. I just look at it as a different form of entertainment like wrestling, like pro wrestling or anything else like that where there's a athletic aspect to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's actually probably the best way to put it. I, I look at influencer boxing almost the way I look at pro wrestling. Like, like obviously, I'm very well aware. I mean, these fights aren't rigged. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, that's, that's probably the, most of them. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can't rule anything out for sure. I mean, fuck, dude. But anyways, I mean, I think I look at these fights mostly like pro wrestling. Like, it, I'm looking at it for entertainment. Yeah, they're characters. I mean, that's literally what they are. I mean, that they're characters. And they're competing in combat. I mean, that's literally what it is. What's what's the difference? You know what I mean? Exactly. I mean, there's not much of a difference. They're just it's low level boxing, and these people have a character, or they have something that draws them in. Like like, and it works too, dude. I see more stuff about influencer boxing than I see about regular boxing or MMA. Half dude, I mean, I, MMA I not much. I, I I don't get why the old heads or people get mad at. It. I'm like, dude, why? Why this isn't even in the same realm? You know, it's not even even in. It doesn't even touch, you know, you know the, what this past weekend's card. It's not. Why do you care? Why is it? Why are you getting butthurt about it? You know, I, 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 I never generally don't understand why people are angry. You know, you, it, and if you don't like it, don't give it attention. That's something I will never understand. If you do not like it, do not give it attention. If you do not like something, if you're not a fan of something, do not give it attention. If it's not hurting you, if it's not causing trouble to something, if it's not damaging, how many guys people think it's damaging the reputation? Yeah, sure, you can think that, but dude. It's not gonna, they're wrong. It's not taking away from the sport, right? Look, influencer boxing has probably done more for boxing than anything. There's gonna be, there's gonna be at least one guy out there in the future who's gonna be inspired because of influencer boxing and take on combat in some capacity. I genuinely believe that because of these guys. And, uh, and that's a good thing, man. What's wrong with getting young fans of this sport? What is young? Yeah, sure. Are they fans of the highest level competition? No, but they're a fan of, of the sport now, and maybe that guy will, that kid or girl or guy or whoever they are will walk into a gym and, and get to sport. You know, what's wrong with inspiring young people? You know, I think that's mm-hmm. the other thing. They're, they're, they're target audiences, young people. That's, that's one of the biggest markets boxing is missing right now. How many young fans does boxing have? Like, I bet you the, the, the age <laughs> of, of, uh, 10 to 16 is almost non-existent in, in boxing when you take out influencer boxing. You know what I mean? Or, t- or ten to seven right now. I mean, um, it's a minimal number, you know. It has to be. I can find it by ethnicity. Let me see if I can find it by age. Why, why would they? They have to I don't know. Okay, so the age not- demo, the highest age demo, thirty-five to forty-four. I, are you something? I could have gave you that number just so you know. I was already thinking that anyways. Yeah. Uh, UFC, uh, it's worth noting, is eighteen to thirty-four, so they are a younger fan base. So, I mean, yeah, I definitely on the same page. Here's the thing, dude. I've said that I, I think I said this on Twitter um, after KSI's fight because I saw so many people losing their fucking minds about KSI and the Joe Fournier fight and like this this whole event it makes a mockery of boxing and it ruins the sport. And you know what happened that same fucking day that those same people that were ruining about how boxing saying about how boxing is ruined and about how you know, it's just terrible because now we have YouTubers boxing and we have all this shit. Did you see Rolly Romero's fight? Dude, yes. I mean, I let we could. I mean, I, I think we might have talked about it va- like a little bit on the show at some point because it was a really big deal. But like, 
I saw people losing their mind about about KSI. About I see it all the time. You know, KSI, Jake Paul, influencers are ruining the sport of boxing, Angel. They're just making it so bad. But fucking, um, you know, <laughs> the, none of them were talking about the, role, the Raleigh Romero versus Ismail Barroso fight in May, you know, earlier this month, May 13th. You know, title fight on the line. Rolly is a huge favorite. He's taking on Ismail Barrow, who a lot of people don't know him, but he was the mandatory. He's been a mandatory for like three years now. Yeah. Yeah, I think since 2019. Uh, yeah, December 2019. He's been the mandatory. And eventually, uh, Rolly was supposed to fight somebody else who I can't remember, um, uh, Albert Puello. He tested positive for roids. So then they move in Ismail Barroso. And this poor guy is winning the fight easily. And then just the referee stops the fight for no reason. Rolly Romero is the champion, and there goes Ismael Barroso. He's 40 years old, never going to title shot again. Going to have to retire without a championship belt because of a fucking judge, a referee, who, I mean, with the worst stoppage of all time. But it's not the worst stoppage of all time because that stuff happens in boxing constantly. But Angel, the influencers. <laughs> they are the one ruining this sport. They're ruining KSI and KSI Boxing. That's the that's the real problem. It's not the overwhelming amount of corruption within judging and refereeing and overall officiating. It's YouTubers coming into the sport. That's the problem. And look, yeah. I appreciate these guys who, who the YouTube and you know JJ and them for fucking doing this because dude, I fucking they honestly in a way brought me back to boxing, dude. Because you do you, you remember the before that Josh the last boxing batch I, I watched and I was like boxing. You remember I texted you that night boxing is back after Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury won. You remember that. Yep, and and then after that, it kind of got silent, and then every other Canelo fight, and then you obviously had these young guys and the and the lighter weights and like Ryan, Devin Haney, Telfimo. You know, I was telling you, I'm like these guys are the future. You know, they're all gonna fight each other at some point. You know, I was all excited, but what really brought me back to boxing was the influencers, dude. Mm. And it's the honest truth, and I'll admit it. I didn't, want, you know, and I never thought about it until now that we're talking about it. But they brought me back after being gone for years. Mm. Before that. I, the last pay-per-view that I bought with my family was fucking uh, Manny Pacquiao versus Floyd Money Mayweather. <laughs> biggest waste of my time. Biggest waste of my of our money. But we fucking <laughs> I bought that and shit and watched that at our fucking empty apartment because we were moving into a new one. And I remember we still had our cable and shit at, at the old house. So we went back there, watched two fold-out chairs, and uh, we were watching the fucking fight right there. Yeah, I hear you, man. Um, but I think we should move on because we got to wrap up soon. I do have to work, unfortunately, but uh, I have an actual job. Sorry, guys, but uh, <laughs> it's just um, this is the fun part of my this is the fun part of, of of the job is doing the podcast. But uh, we have we have two more things to talk. Actually, two more things to talk about real quick. One, of the last fan question, just a simple one: What do you guys do in your fan time? I've already said, Angel. I'm <laughs> the question: What do you guys do in your fan time? Drugs. That's what. It is. <laughs> Nah, 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 nah. Nah, you know, what are you doing in your fan? What do you we tell people? What do you do in your free time, man? I just play a lot, dude. I love playing games. It's one. Of, it's my favorite hobby of all time. Getting on my computer, playing games, play a lot of Counter Strike, just anything inherently competitive. Game wise, I love playing any competitive format. Uh, obviously, always trying to watch fights, staying up with the fight game. Basically, only listen to podcasts most of my free time. Even though I've been getting into music more, uh, I fucking I entered my middle school white boy phase, Josh. Uh, I've been listening Those to Mac Miller. Oh no, dude! I've been listening to a lot of Three Days Grace as Fuck of recently. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, Josh. I, this should have been like ten years ago, but it's happening now. But I'm about to, I'm about to, hey, so I guess you could say it's the animal you are becoming right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen yeah. to all that Three Days Grace. Yep, yep. <laughs> I, 
but I'm loving it, dude. I'm loving every second of it. I'm really enjoying it. So, uh, I love that actually. It's, it's not, outside of that though, it's not much uh, outside of that. I'm yeah. like a uh, big fan of TV shows, watch anime, trying to get back. I need to get back into working out. At one point, man, working out was like a big portion of my life where I literally work out five to six to, six to seven days out of the week consistently. Dialed in on my diet, like it was a, it was one of the things that I really enjoyed the process of being at the gym, which I need to get back into, man. I really do, but it's one of those things that's hard when once you haven't done it, once you're out of it, it's hard to get back into. It is, and that's that's what I'm actually doing right now. You guys want to know what I actually do? Like I make the joke, I do a lot of drugs. I mostly just get high occasionally, but um, and I really I don't drink at all, so um, I'm actually like relatively tame. I'm actually like really boring, which is partially why it's funny that I said that. I play a lot of strategy games these days, you know, like no, be, fuck that, Josh. I know you're at the club every fucking you week. You know, hey, shut up, dude. Don't don't blow my fucking spot right now, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I know you're out there every weekend, man, going crazy, bottle service only, private tables every night, surrounded by women. Angel, I have to I have to shit on Dan so that way people don't realize that me and Dana White are actually betting buddies. Me and him are out, out of the slots every Saturday. It, you know, it's actually you and Dana White are actually the same person, Josh. Angel, I've never told you this is actually a wig. <laughs> Anyways, um yeah, I mean what do I actually do? I play a lot I play video games, I read a bit, um mostly I mostly just probably like watch TV. I uh, I work out, man. I um like Angel mentioned, like I go through phases. Like I have like a bike at home, like a, a stationary bike, and I have like a really simple one. I don't have any of those fucking nice cool ones. And I, dude, I wish <laughs> I had one, like an assault bike, dude. I love to get one of those. Um, and also I got some hand weights, but you know I go. I I have at my uh, my mom's old house. I have my my old heavy bag with a bunch of my all my old weights and um so I do I do boxing about twice a week and now I'm getting back into heading to the gym at my apartment complex with lifting big boy weights running two miles because I'm I'm borderline psychotic I can't be one of those people that eases into it you know what I mean I just throw myself all the way in like Angel Monday is when I started this is a dead I went started going to the actual gym close to me with like all the shit on Monday. And I ran, I did like 30 minutes of weights and I did two miles of like, just like running on, you know like, what I was going to do on a high incline. And then I, Angel, I can't walk normally now. <laughs> you know, I, I have a heavy bag downstairs, man. And I recently started to thought it cause I, I looked up a Muay Thai school and I, I thought about getting, buying some Muay Thai shirts and just going downstairs and just getting like conditioning my body to go there and actually do Muay Thai. You should do it, dude. You should do it. Yeah. So. I don't know. Maybe in the future, maybe you guys might see some behind the scenes footage if I do end up doing it. I don't know. I need to get in shape though, because I will literally be dying every time I go, dude. Because, bro, you throw a few kicks in, dude. Even if you're in relatively decent shape, bro, you'll get tired. Oh yeah. You get tired. I've seen it, man. I, I fucking, <laughs> I, I remember I was with a buddy in, uh, a while back. He came over and he was fucking around on the bag, and I saw him kicking it, kicking. And after a little while, man, I saw he got a little tired, and he's like, he's not like fit but he's not out of shape he just looks fine he looks like he, yeah he, right you know he was a healthy human being i would say but i saw that fucker gas after a little bit and i was like yep that's about yeah, right he, yeah. people don't realize the difference in gas dude like the cardio for all yeah you can men. run you can do if you if you can jog for a for like a long time that's cool right but it's different types of, i noticed like whenever i um because i've been doing like i haven't gone to the actual gym gym near me but i've been doing boxing like once twice a week dude, so then what about What's one of the dumber gym things you've ever done or insane uh, kind of like workout stuff that you did that you, I don't know, was a little out there. I'll tell you, I'll tell you mine to give you an example. Josh, at one point when I was really into working out, 
I and I remember I saw this at the TV ad. It was a Ronaldo ad. I don't know if you have ever seen it where he, he gets switched bodies with a kid. And at the end, the ad is like, uh, and it's 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 Ronaldo in the kid's body, and the kid's like, you know, you kind of see him training in in a smaller club, and then getting offers, and he makes it to a European club, and the kid's in Ronaldo's body, and he's trying to figure shit out, and trying to figure out how to trade and get better, and uh, and it's like Freaky Friday, and I remember mm-hmm. one of those, the kid, uh, or Ronaldo's in the kid's body, and they go on a run with all his teammates in his in his small club. And he grabs a backpack and he throws weights in it, dude. I shit you not, Josh. Remember, like when I first moved into this house and I didn't have a gym membership at, and we were still in school and I didn't have a car either. I grabbed a string backpack, I threw like two plates in there, and I went on a run. Dude, I love that. Yeah, dude. I love that shit, dude. So I don't know if you've ever done anything dumb like that or, or, or I've fun. I've never done, you know. I mean, so I I haven't really had to do anything like that. Like I pretty much the way that I've worked out my whole life. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, it's going to sound borderline psychotic when I'm about to say it. So, okay, so the way that I like, <laughs> the way that I like, so I've always worked out. Like, I did not really work out until I was like 12, 13. My family had like a heavy bag in the basement. Then I would just work on, because for example, I grew up doing Kenpo Karate. You know what I mean? I think I got like Red Belt or some shit. I don't know. I feel like most, most kids did some form of martial art or whatever, I feel like. Um, mine was like karate. I never feel like I actually learned anything from it. Just in case you're worried, if you're thinking of putting your kid in it, I don't think I actually learned anything. Um, but anyways, yeah, like I started working on Russell 13, I would just hit the bag, and then my family got like this big basketball hoop, and they put it at the end of our driveway, and I would just go out there, and I would shoot hoops for like a, like, angel. I'd literally go out there and just do it for like hours, like three or four hours in a row. Just in the summer, I had nothing else to do. I was like 14, 15, and that's pretty much how I lost most of my weight, dude, but... I haven't really done anything borderline psychotic outside of that. It's just going outside and shooting hoops for a ridiculous not, not, amount not, of time because it was not not throwing multiple fucking plates in a backpack and going on a no, fucking run. Not like that. But yeah, I mean, in terms of what I do in my free time, I really just work out, dude. Like, I'm just, I guess I'm just crazy, dude. I fucking, I remember doing that, dude. It was hot <laughs> as fuck. I remember my string backpack. I couldn't tie it properly, so the weights were moving around in the back as I was moving, you know, so they were shifting. So it fucking sucked, and I kept like I, what I would try to do is like pull it forward and hold it tight, and I had essentially like this cross, like this like an X across my body when I was holding the bag behind me, and I was just going, dude. Yeah, dude. I mean, and anyways, man, I feel we should probably move on. I mean, just because I gotta gotta close out in a second. I mean, real quick thoughts on Haney Loma. I scored at seven five. Banger seems to be the consensus. I I've, I haven't personally done an official scorecard, but from what I'm hearing. That's uh, the common one I'm hearing, that or a draw. Uh, I also, uh, and from what I'm hearing, and also from what I saw, because I caught the second half of it, like at round six and on, there were some hard rounds to score in there, man. I'll be completely honest. Um, but I think Devin won afterwards, and from what I saw and from what I heard and trying to catch up and watching the previous round, it didn't seem like it. But uh, overall, man, a, a great boxing match, a fun night. The, the card itself, you know, boxing cards are always a, a bit eh. But uh, what can you what can you expect, man? It's not, it's not MMA. Not every fight to be a banger, let alone in boxing. And obviously, they're trying to build up a lot of young guys, and sometimes they don't get the, you know, maybe appropriate competition or whatever. Uh, but nevertheless, man, uh, good for Devin. I'm curious to see who Devin takes on next. Obviously, he's a free agent now, so that's that's a whole another conversation we'll have another day potentially, Josh. But uh, I think we'll close it out there. Well, one last thing we do have to talk about. I feel we got to give a quick shout out. Not a quick shout out. I guess it's just interesting, uh, dude. Greg Hardy, um, who oh, yeah, we have yeah. not, 
Dude, Greg Hardy is like a modern. I don't even know what the fuck you could say about this guy. Every time I see him, he's like, he's the friend that's unemployed. You know what I mean? Like, just <laughs> he's out here Jesus. doing side quests and shit. You know what I mean? He worked at he worked at Walmart for like a day. He fought in BKFC. No, no, he didn't work at Walmart. He did like he's like a sales rep for Spectrum within the Walmart. That's what which are the worst people on earth, as far as I'm concerned. You know, <laughs> them and the guys that uh, you walk by in the mall that want to clean your shoes. Those oh are my, my god! People on Earth. I've just started anytime I'm at the Walmart because at the Walmart closest to me, there's always a spectrum people. I've just started saying shit that doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Like just you start running. You got to start no, speaking no, no, a different like, language. Well, you got spectrum at your house? You're like, no, nah, man, I can't talk. It's Tuesday. You know, just fucking. <laughs> keep on walking, you know, <laughs> just, just, no, I got this network. I got this network. <laughs> I, I, I can't. I put all be, my money into Circuit City. I can't get spectrum. It would be better, Josh. We were like, I, I have top order cable. <laughs> yes, that's up. But anyways, Greg Hardy, who's just he's the unemployed friend doing side quests. He was at Walmart, Spectrum, you know, he he did boxing. He did boxing and then did bare knuckle, even though he was doing good in boxing. Well he's back in boxing. He's fighting in the Team Combat League. He fought twice in one night, by the way. He knocked out one guy, got a decision win over the other. It Greg like Hardy, round, shout- by the way. Yeah, Greg Hardy's just booling, dude. What do you think about this? <laughs> hey, man, as long as he can find success. I wish he would just stick to the boxing, though. Like, fuck the bare knuckle. Fuck the boxing. You know, or fuck everything else. Go just into boxing. Yeah. Sony B has seen Rockman Jr., man, which, I mean, I know his team is not a, a heavyweight by trade. Uh, it's a light heavyweight, right, or cruiserweight, something like cruiserweight, that. Yeah. But uh, I feel like, you know, just the fact that he has that under his bone, just that, like, kind of a, a good win. I like. I would have wished he would have stuck with the box, just regular box, especially since he can make potentially some good money there, and he has a following already. Yeah, I don't know, man. Good. I've been good for Greg Hardy, man. I just thought it was interesting. I did not see anybody talk about this, and if it weren't for us just looking at it, it's like fucking with, like, just I don't even know where you saw it, but uh, I saw it on Twitter because where oh. the fuck else would you see it? You know? Yeah, there you go. Fair enough. Anyways, man. I mean, that's about that's about all I got, man. Um, any closing thoughts before going to close out, man? No, nah, man, I'm just excited to go get get into next week, have a, a UFC card, and obviously get back into the mix because, man, it just sucks, man, having a week off. Like, I, I hate it. I love having a card every week. I love having to watch something every week. Because, dude, on Saturdays when there's no card or nothing going on, I feel fucking useless, dude. I'm going to be honest with you. I feel <laughs> fucking useless. I don't know what to do. I, I honestly, I, I get so aggressive, Josh, I go outside and punch a dust game. <laughs> I hear you, dude. Same page. Um, but you know what people can do on, on Saturday? Since there's no fight, you guys can listen to this podcast. And you can also look us up on Twitter because it's at Quartzite Sound for all things related to the show. I'm at Josh Shivanoff on Twitter. He's at Angel Take underscore 01. And uh, that's all we got. So hope you guys enjoyed the show. Peace and fuck. Peace. Mouse click.